0: Chapter 20 of The Soul of a People. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Soul of a People by Harold Fielding. Chapter 20 Noblesse oblige sooner shall the cleft rock reunite so as to make a whole than may he who kills any living being be admitted into our society acceptance into the monkhood it is very noticeable throughout the bazaars of burma that all the beef butchers are natives of india no burman will kill a cow or a bullock and no burman will sell its meat it is otherwise with pork and fowls burmans may sometimes be found selling these and fish are almost invariably sold by the wives of the fishermen during the king's time any man who was even found in possession of beef was liable to very severe punishment the only exception as i have explained elsewhere was in the case of the queen when expecting an addition to her family and it was necessary that she should be strengthened in all ways none not even foreigners were allowed to kill beef and this law was very stringently observed other flesh and fish might as far as the law of the country went be sold with impunity you could not be fined for killing and eating goats or fowls or pigs and these were sold occasionally it is now ten years since king Thibaw was overthrown and there is now no law against the sale of beef and yet as i have said no respectable burman will even now kill or sell beef the law was founded on the beliefs of the people and though the law is dead the beliefs remain it is true that the taking of life is against buddha's commands no life at all may be taken by him who adheres to buddhistic teaching neither for sport nor for revenge nor for food may any animal be deprived of the breath that is in it and this is a command wonderfully well kept there are a few exceptions but they are known and accepted as breaches of the law for the law itself knows no exceptions fish as i have said can be obtained almost everywhere they are caught in great quantities in the river and are sold in most bazaars either fresh or salted it is one of the staple foods of the burmese but although they will eat fish they despise the fishermen not so much perhaps as if he killed another living thing but still the fisherman is an outcast from decent society he will have to suffer great and terrible punishment before he can be cleansed from the sins that he daily commits notwithstanding this there are many fishermen in burma a fish is a very cold-blooded beast one must be very hard up for something to love to have any affection to spare upon fishes they cannot be or at all events they never are domesticated and most of them are not beautiful i am not aware that they have ever been known to display any attachment to any one which accounts perhaps for the comparatively lenient eye with which their destruction is contemplated for with warm-blooded animals it is very different cattle as i have said can never be killed nor their meat sold by a burman and with other animals the difficulty is not much less i was in upper burma for some months before the war and many a time i could get no meat at all living in a large town among prosperous people i could get no flesh at all only fish and rice and vegetables when after much trouble my indian cook would get me a few fowls he would often be waylaid and forced to release them an old woman say anxious to do some deed of merit would come to him as he returned triumphantly home with his fowls and tender him money and beg him to release the fowls she would give the full price or double the price of the fowls she had no desire to gain merit at another person's expense and the unwilling cook would be obliged to give up the fowls public opinion was so strong he dared not refuse the money was paid the fowls set free and i dined on tinned beef and yet the villages are full of fowls why they are kept i do not know certainly not for food i do not mean to say that an accidental meeting between a rock and a fowl may not occasionally furnish forth a dinner but this is not the object with which they are kept of this i am sure you would not suppose that fowls were capable of exciting much affection yet i suppose they are certainly in one case ducks were there is a burman lady i know who is married to an englishman he kept ducks he bought a number of ducklings and had them fed up so that they might be fat and succulent when the time came for them to be served at table they became very fine ducks and my friend had promised me one i took an interest in them and always noticed their increasing fatness when i rode that way imagine then my disappointment when one day i saw that all the ducks had disappeared i stopped to inquire yes truly they were all gone my friend told me in his absence his wife had gone up the river to visit some friends and had taken the ducks with her she could not bear she said that they should be killed so she took them away and distributed them among her friends one here and one there where she was sure they would be well treated and not killed when she returned she was quite pleased at her success and laughed at her husband and me this same lady was always terribly distressed when she had to order a fowl to be killed for her husband's breakfast even if she had never seen it before i have seen her after telling the cook to kill a fowl for breakfast run away and sit down in the veranda, with her hands over her ears and her face the very picture of misery fearing lest she should hear its shrieks i think that this was the one great trouble to her in her marriage that her husband would insist on eating fowls and ducks and that she had to order them to be killed as she is so are most burmans if there is all this trouble about fowls it can be imagined how the trouble increases when it comes to goats or any larger beasts in the jungle villages meat of any kind at all is never seen no animals of any kind are allowed to be killed an officer traveling in the district would be reduced to what he could carry with him if it were not for an act of government obliging villages to furnish on payment of course supplies for officers and troops passing through the mere fact of such a law being necessary is sufficient proof of the strength of the feeling against taking life of course all shooting either for sport or for food is looked upon as disgraceful in many jungle villages where deer abound there are one or two hunters who make a living by hunting but they are disgraced men they are worse than fishermen and they will have a terrible penalty to pay for it all it will take much suffering to wash from their souls the cruelty the bloodthirstiness the carelessness to suffering the absence of compassion that hunting must produce is there no food in the bazaar that you must go and take the lives of animals has been said to me many a time and when my house-roof was infested by sparrows who dropped grass and eggs all over my room so that i was obliged to shoot them with a little rifle this was no excuse you should have built a sparrow coat they told me if you had built a sparrow coat they would have gone away and left you in peace they only wanted to make nests and lay eggs and have little ones and you went and shot them there are many sparrow coats to be seen in the villages i might give example after example of this sort for they happen every day we who are meat eaters who delight in shooting who have a horror of insects and reptiles are continually coming into collision with the principles of our neighbours for even harmful reptiles they do not care to kill truly i believe it is a myth the story of the burmese mother courteously escorting out of the house the scorpion which had just bitten her baby a burmese mother worships her baby as much as the woman of any other nation does and i believe there is no crime she would not commit in its behalf but if she saw a scorpion walking about in the fields she would not kill it as we should she would step aside and pass on poor beast she would say why should i hurt it it never hurt me the burman never kills insects out of sheer brutality if a beetle drone annoyingly he will catch it in a handkerchief and put it outside and so with a bee it is a great trouble often to get your burmese servants to keep your house free of ants and other annoying creatures if you tell them to kill the insects they will for in that case the sin falls on you without special orders they would rather leave the ants alone in the district in which i am now living snakes are very plentiful there are cobras and curates but the most dreaded is the russell's viper he is a snake that averages from three to four feet long and is very thick with a big head and a stumpy tail his body is marked very prettily with spots and blurs of light on a dark greyish green and he is so like the shadows of the grass and weeds in a dusty road that you can walk on him quite unsuspectingly then he will bite you and you die he comes out usually in the evening before dark and lies about on footpaths to catch the home-coming ploughman or reaper and contrary to the custom of other snakes he will not flee on hearing a footstep when any one approaches he lies more still than ever not even a movement of his head betraying him he is so like the colour of the ground he hopes he will be passed unseen and he is slow and lethargic in his movements and so is easy to kill when once detected as a burman said if he sees you first he kills you if you see him first you kill him in this district no burman hesitates a moment in killing a viper when he has the chance usually he has to do it in self-defence this viper is terribly feared as over a hundred persons a year die here by his bite he is so hated and feared that he has become an outcast from the law that protects all life but with other snakes it is not so there is the hamadryad for instance he is a great snake about ten to fourteen feet long and he is the only snake that will attack you first he is said always to do so certainly he often does one attacked me once when out quail shooting he put up his great neck and head suddenly at a distance of only five or six feet and was just preparing to strike when i literally blew his head off with two charges of shot you would suppose he was vicious enough to be included with the russell's viper in the category of the exceptions but no perhaps he is too rare to excite such fierce and deadly hate as makes the burman forget his law and kill the viper however it may be the burman is not ready to kill the hamadryad a few weeks ago a friend of mine and myself came across two little burman boys carrying a jar with a piece of broken tile over it the lads kept lifting up the tile and peeping in and then putting the tile on again in a great hurry and their actions excited our curiosity so we called them to come to us and we looked into the jar it was full of baby hamadryads the lads had found a nest of them in the absence of the mother who would have killed them if she had been there and had secured all the little snakes there were seven of them we asked the boys what they intended to do with the snakes and they answered that they would show them to their friends in the village and then we asked and then they would let them go in the water my friend killed all the hamadryads on the spot and gave the boys some coppers and we went on can you imagine this happening anywhere else can you think of any other schoolboys sparing any animal they caught much less poisonous snakes the extraordinary hold that this tenet of their religion has upon the burmese must be seen to be understood what i write will sound like some fairy story i fear to my people at home it is far beneath the truth the belief that it is wrong to take life is a belief with them as strong as any belief could be i do not know anywhere any command earthly or heavenly that is acted up to with such earnestness as this command is amongst the burmese it is an abiding principle of their daily life where the command came from i do not know i cannot find any allusion to it in the life of the great teacher we know that he ate meat it seems to me that it is older even than he it has been derived both by the burmese buddhists and the hindus from a faith whose origin is hidden in the mists of long ago it is part of that far older faith on which buddhism was built as was christianity on judaism but if not part of his teaching and though it is included in the sacred books we do not know how much of them are derived from the buddha himself it is in strict accordance with all his teaching that is one of the most wonderful points of buddhism it is all in accordance there are no exceptions i have heard amongst europeans a very curious explanation of this refusal of buddhists to take life buddhists they say believe in the transmigration of souls they believe that when a man dies his soul may go into a beast you could not expect him to kill a bull when perchance his grandfather's soul might inhabit there this is their explanation this is the way they put two and two together to make five they know that buddhists believe in transmigration they know that buddhists do not like to take life and therefore one is the cause of the other i have mentioned this explanation to burmans while talking of the subject and have always laughed at it they had never heard of it before it is true that it is part of their great theory of life that the souls of men have risen from being souls of beasts and that we may so relapse if we are not careful many stories are told of cases that have occurred where a man has been reincarnated as an animal and where what is now the soul of a man used to live in a beast but that makes no difference whatever a man may have been or may be he is a man now whatever a beast may have been he is a beast now never suppose that a burman has any other idea than this to him men are men and animals are animals and men are far the higher but he does not deduce from this that man's superiority gives him permission to ill-treat or to kill animals it is just the reverse it is because man is so much higher than the animal that he can and must observe towards animals the very greatest care feel for them the very greatest compassion be good to them in every way he can the burman's motto should be noblesse oblige he knows the meaning if he knows not the words for the burman's compassion towards animals goes very much farther than a mere reluctance to kill them although he has no command on the subject it seems to him quite as important to treat animals well during their lives as to refrain from taking those lives his refusal to take life he shares with the hindu his perpetual care and tenderness to all living creatures is all his own and here i may mention a very curious contrast that whereas in india the hindu will not take life and the Muslim man will yet the Muslim man is by reputation far kinder to his beasts than the hindu here the burman combines both qualities he has all the kindness to animals that the Mohammedan has and more and he has the same horror of taking life that the hindu has coming from half-starved over driven india it is a revelation to see the animals in burma the village ponies and cattle and dogs in india are enough to make the heart bleed for their sordid misery but in burma they are a delight to the eye they are all fat every one of them fat and comfortable and impertinent even the ownerless dogs are well fed i suppose the indifference of the ordinary native of india to animal suffering comes from the evil of his own lot he is so very poor he has such hard work to find enough for himself and his children that his sympathy is all used up he has none to spare he is driven into a dumb heartlessness for i do not think he is actually cruel the burman is full of the greatest sympathy towards animals of all kinds of the greatest understanding of their ways of the most humorously good-natured attitude towards them looking at them from his manhood he has no contempt for them but the gentle toleration of a father to very little children who are stupid and troublesome often but are very lovable he feels himself so far above them that he can condescend towards them and forbear with them his ponies are pictures of fatness and impertinence and go they never have any vice because the burman is never cruel to them they are never well trained partly because he does not know how to train them partly because they are so near the aboriginal wild pony as to be incapable of very much training but they are willing they will go for and are very strong and they have admirable constitutions and tempers you could not make a burman ill use his pony if you tried and i fancy that to break these little half-wild ponies to go in cabs and crowded streets requires severe treatment at least i never knew but one hackney-carriage driver either in rangoon or mandalay who was a burman and he very soon gave it up he said that the work was too heavy either for a pony or a man i think perhaps it was for the safety of the public that he resigned for his ponies were the very reverse of meek which a native of india says a hackney carriage pony should be and he drove entirely by the light of nature so all the drivers of garries as we call them are natives of india or half-breeds and it is amongst them that the work of the society for the prevention of cruelty to animals principally lies while i was in rangoon i tried a number of cases of over-driving of using ponies with sore withers and the like i never tried a burman even in rangoon which has become almost indianized his natural humanity never left the burman as far as burmans are concerned the society for the prevention of cruelty to animals need not exist they are kinder to their animals than even the members of the society could be instances occur every day here is one of the most striking that i remember there is a town in burma where there are some troops stationed in which is the headquarters of the civil administration of the district it is or was then some distance from a railway station and it was necessary to make some arrangement for the carriage of the mails to and from the town and station the post-office called for tenders and at length it was arranged through the civil authorities that a coach should run once a day each way to carry the mails and passengers a native of india agreed to take the contract for burmans seldom or never care to take them and he was to comply with certain conditions and receive a certain subsidy there was a great deal of traffic between the town and station and it was supposed that the passenger traffic would pay the contractor well apart from his mail subsidy for burmans are always free with their money and the road was long and hot and dusty i often passed that coach as i rode i noticed that the ponies were poor very poor and were driven a little hard but i saw no reason for interference it did not seem to me that any cruelty was committed nor that the ponies were actually unfit to be driven i noticed that the driver used his whip a good deal but then some ponies required the whip i never thought much about it as i always rode my own ponies and they always shied at the coach but i should have noticed if there had been anything remarkable towards the end of the year it became necessary to renew the contract and the contractor was approached on the subject he said he was willing to continue the contract for another year if the mail subsidy was largely increased he said he had lost money on that year's working when asked how he could possibly have lost considering the large number of people who were always passing up and down he said that they did not ride in his coach only the european soldiers and a few natives of india came with him officers had their own ponies and rode and the burmans either hired a bullock-cart or walked they hardly ever came in his coach but he could not say what the reason might be so an inquiry was made and the burmese were asked why they did not ride on the coach were the fares too high was it uncomfortable but no it was for neither of these reasons that they left the coach to the soldiers and natives of india it was because of the ponies no burman would care to ride behind ponies who were treated as these ponies were half fed overdriven whipped it was a misery to see them it was twice a misery to drive behind them poor beasts they said you can see their ribs and when they come to the end of a stage they are fit to fall down and die they should be turned out to graze the opinion was universal the burmans preferred to spend twice or thrice the money and hire a bullock-cart and go slowly while the coach flashed past them in a whirl of dust or they preferred to walk many many times have i seen the roadside rest-houses full of travellers halting for a few minutes rest they walked while the coach came by empty and nearly all of them could have afforded the fare it was a very striking instance of what pure kind-heartedness will do for there would have been no religious command broken by going in the coach it was the pure influence of compassion towards the beasts and refusal to be a party to such hard-heartedness and yet as i have said i do not think the law could have interfered with success surely a people who could act like this have the very soul of religion in their hearts although the act was not done in the name of religion all the animals the cattle the ponies and the buffaloes are so tame that it is almost an unknown thing for any one to get hurt the cattle are sometimes afraid of the white face and strange attire of a european but you can walk through the herds as they come home in the evening with perfect confidence that they will not hurt you even a cow with a young calf will only eye you suspiciously and with the burmans even the huge water buffaloes are absolutely tame you can see a herd of these great beasts with horns six feet across come along under the command of a very small boy or girl perched on one of their broad backs he flourishes a little stick and issues his commands like a general it is one of the quaintest imaginable sights to see this little fellow get off his steed run after a straggler and beat him with his stick the buffalo eyes his master whom he could abolish with one shake of his head submissively and takes the being which he probably feels about as much as if a straw fell on him good-humouredly the children never seem to come to grief buffaloes occasionally charge europeans but the only place where i have known of burmans being killed by buffaloes is in the calais valley there the buffaloes are turned out into the jungle for eight months in the year and are only caught for plowing and carting naturally they are quite wild in fact many of them are the offspring of wild bulls the burmans too are very fond of dogs their villages are full of dogs but as far as i know they never use them for anything and they are never trained to do anything they are supposed to be useful as watch-dogs but i do not think they are very good even at that i have surrounded a village before dawn and never a dog barked and i have heard them bark all night at nothing but when a burman sees a fox-terrier or any english dog his delight is unfeigned when we first took upper burma and such sights were rare half a village would turn out to see the little tailless dog trotting along after its master and if the terrier would beg then he would win all hearts i am not only referring to children but to grown men and women and then there is always something peculiarly childlike and frank in these children of the great river only to-day as i was walking up the bank of the river in the early dawn i heard some burman boatmen discussing my fox-terrier they were about fifteen yards from the shore pulling their boat up against the current which is arduous work and as i passed them a little dog ran down the bank and looked at them across the water and they saw her see now said one man to another pausing for a moment with his pole in his hand see the little white dog with a brown face how wise she looks and how pretty said a man steering in the stern come he cried holding out his hand to it but the dog only made a splash in the water with her paws and then turned and ran after me the boatmen laughed and resumed their poling, and i passed on in the still morning across the still water i could hear every word but i hardly took any note i have heard it so often only now when i come to write on this subject do i remember it has been inculcated in us from childhood that it is a manly thing to be indifferent to pain not to our own pain only but to that of all others to be sorry for a hunted hare to compassionate the wounded deer to shrink from torturing the brute creation has been accounted by us as namby-pamby sentimentalism not fit for man fit only for a squeamish woman to the burman it is one of the highest of all virtues he believes that all that is beautiful in life is founded on compassion and kindness and sympathy that nothing of great value can exist without them do you think that a burmese boy would be allowed to bird's nest or worry rats with a terrier or go ferreting not so these would be crimes that this kindness and compassion for animals has very far-reaching results no one can doubt if you are kind to animals you will be kind too to your fellow-man it is really the same thing the same feeling in both cases if to be superior in position to an animal justifies you in torturing it so it would do with men if you are in a better position than another man richer stronger higher in rank that would that does often in our minds justify ill-treatment and contempt our innate feeling towards all that we consider inferior to ourselves is scorn the burmans is compassion you can see the spirit coming out in every action of their daily life in their dealings with each other in their thoughts in their speech you are so strong have you no compassion for him who is weak who is tempted who has fallen how often have i heard this from a burman's lips how often have i seen him act up to it it seems to them the necessary corollary of strength that the strong men should be sympathetic and kind it seems to them an unconscious confession of weakness to be scornful revengeful inconsiderate courtesy they say is the mark of a great man discourtesy of a little one no one who feels his position secure will lose his temper will persecute will be disdainful their word for a fool and for a hasty tempered man is the same to them it is the same thing one infers the other and so their attitude towards animals is but an example of their attitude to each other that an animal or a man should be lower and weaker than you is the strongest claim he can have on your humanity, and your courtesy and consideration for him is the clearest proof of your own superiority. And so, in his dealings with animals, the Buddhist considers himself, consults his own dignity, his own strength, and is kind and compassionate to them out of the greatness of his own heart. Nothing is more beautiful than the Burman in his ways with his children and his beasts, with all who are lesser than himself even to us who think so very differently from him on many points there is a great and abiding charm in all this to which we can find only one exception for to our ideas there is one exception and it is this no burman will take any life if he can help it and therefore if any animal injure itself he will not kill it not even to put it out of its pain as we say i have seen bullocks split on slippery roads i have seen ponies with broken legs i have seen goats with terrible wounds caused by accidental falls and no one would kill them if when you are out shooting your beaters pick up a wounded hare or partridge do not suppose that they will wring its neck you must yourself do that or it will linger on till you get home under no circumstances will they take the life even of a wounded beast and if you ask them they will say if a man be sick do you shoot him if he injure his spine so that he will be a cripple for life do you put him out of his pain if you reply that men and beasts are different, they will answer that in this point they do not recognize the difference. Poor beast, let him live out his little life, and they will give him grass and water till he dies. This is the exception that I meant, but now, after I have written it, I am not so sure. Is it an exception? End of chapter Twenty.